90.7 WTCC. Good morning. Welcome to the Spoken Word. Bishop Swan in your radio. I got um, periscopers and Twitterers and Facebookers and Instagrammers uh, all with us this morning. Do me a favor, rep your city or your town. We can shout out where you're coming in from. Tap that screen there, uh, Periscope. Uh, Let me know where you're coming in from. Do the same thing for me, Facebook. I know I got Philadelphia in the house. I got Georgia up in here. Uh, I got New York up in here. I got Columbia, Ohio, or Columbus, Ohio up in here. Uh, Jay Hill, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I got Gene Jones from Dallas, Fort Worth up in the house. I got Dallas in the house. Um, of course, I got Massachusetts in the house. I got, uh, man, another Philadelphia in the house. Texas is up in here. Delaware is up in the house. Let me switch over on this side over here, see who's coming in with me over here, because I know I got to have some folk uh, coming in from various places over here on my um, uh, on my other side here. Uh, so, rep your city, rep your town. I need to know where you're coming in from. Oh, another Philadelphia up in the house. I got Philly all up in here. Um, listen, well, who you know who I really need to have in here? I need to have me some Baltimoreans. I don't even know if that's the right um, term that I should be using. Um, but um, in the East Coast, come on, really, East Coast? I mean, that could be anywhere. <laughs> I guess you don't want to be specific. I got Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Oh, man, on Instagram. I got South Korea over there on Instagram as well coming up in here. I got Huger. Is that how you pronounce it? Huger, Hugger, H-U-G-E-R, South Kakalaki um, uh, is up in the house over here on on Twitter, um, let me see who else I got over here on the uh, on the Facebooker side. Um, Springfield, I got the ATL in the house. Chicago, as known as Baltimore, uh, Atlanta, Atlanta, Philly. All right, I, I got folk all over um, the United States and abroad. I got Louisiana in the house. All right, Cincinnati. Ohio is up in here. Uh, okay. Um, but you're going to have to do better than that East Coast, man. You know, East Coast just don't give me enough specificity. 413-736-2781. 413-736-2781. So when the orange apparition, as my friend Michael Eric Dyson calls him, um, in the White House, was elected. 81% of white evangelical Christians voted for him. Not only did they vote for him, they said that God anointed him to be president. 
As a matter of fact, Jim Baker's crazy behind. I got to look that article up. Is running around here talking about if Trump ain't reelected, Christians are going to die. That do, Why'd y'all give that fool another TV show? I mean, he comes in, steal all your money and stuff, go to jail, come back. Y'all give him another TV show and still give him money. <laughs> anyway, um, so evangelicals, they're, they're, I mean, their religion is not Christianity. It's it's a whitenized Western version of Christianity that is buttressed um, and undergirded by white supremacy. That's the reality uh, of what it is. And, and I mean, if you look at American evangelical history, you see racism, fear, and basic adherence to the tenets of white supremacy. Um, during the 19th century, you had white evangelicals in the South who constructed a way of life that was built around justifying slavery and white supremacy. And of course, using the Bible, um, you know, as their backup. Um, and when, when other um, evangelicals uh, in the North, um, who are known to us as abolitionists, threatened their way of life by calling for the end to slavery, uh, what white evangelicals in the South did, they responded uh, by turning to the Bible and constructing a heretical, theological, and biblical defense of slavery and racism. Slaves, be obedient to your masters. You know, um, they took Romans 13 out of context to obey the laws of the land. And since slavery was legal, uh, that Christians were bound to obey it. And then after the Civil War, um, their fear of integrating blacks into white society led to Jim Crow laws, segregation, lynching and murdering black people, voter suppression, um, and so-called Christians did all that was within their power and still do to maintain white supremacy and to subjugate black people. And they did it all in the sweet name of Jesus, justified it with sacred scripture. That's white evangelicalism. It didn't just start. That didn't just start. It didn't just get that way. It's always been that way. Uh, and so even the so-called biblical principles and, um, and, and moral imperatives that they claim to live by based upon um, their religious theology, they've started using whiteout on all of that. Um, the same religion that they say uh, teaches us to love thy neighbor and don't steal, don't cheat, don't commit adultery. Um, but yet these same folks affirm an immoral racist president, an adulterer, 
who pays for sex with porn actresses and who speaks disparagingly about black and brown people and talks about being able to freely go out on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody to death. Yet this guy is the one that white evangelicals tout as the anointed one who is going to save and make America great again. That's really what they're saying. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Good morning, caller. Hello, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? You're on the air. Turn your radio down. You're on the air. All right, call back. Maybe you got a bad connection. 413-736-2781. 413-736-2781. This is the dude that they say God Almighty from on high looked down at America and knew America needed to be made great again. So he anointed Donald John Trump to do the job. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Hello. How you doing today, Bishop? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. I love everything that you're saying, and it's so true. But one of the scariest things that I'm seeing, Bishop, is that I was raised post-church. Is that this stuff is being eased in, this white evangelical, white supremacist, is being slicked into our church packaged in religion. And a lot of our black preachers are being deceived by it. And they're being deceived because what they're doing, they're taking one or two or three points of agreement and deciding that's enough to walk in lockstep with these bigots. Right. And so they're taking right. they're taking abortion, being anti-abortion. You the words out of my mouth. And, 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 and these, these people aren't really pro-life. Because you can't be pro-life and once a black or brown baby is born, you want to pull out all social programs that support that mother or father from raising or supporting that child. You want to take away any and everything um, that the government does to help people with their children. These are the same folks that say they're pro-life. And when a when a black child is murdered by police, like a 12-year-old in a park playing with a toy named Tamir Rice, these same pro-life Christians justify the police murdering this black life that you claim you wanted to be born. So they're not really pro-life in the first place. So they take pro-life and they take anti-homosexuality and use those two issues as their wedge issues to walk in lockstep with a population that hates black people. Right. And they, and, and, and they do, and they, and they, and they get a little traction from it. Cause I'm going to tell you something in the church of God in Christ, certain ministers, certain people in position are part, are part making partnerships. With these organizations, in the day, hey, they just come. They come. They come in the name of birth control, but they want to put that Republican agenda in the Church of God in Christ. And a lot of people are being deceived. 
Absolutely. I agree with you. It's going on, yes, but there are those of us who yep. are standing against it. Yes, sir. Can stay on the wall. I love what you're doing, Bishop. I'm going to come up there to Minnesota, God will, to visit your church. I plan on flying up there. All right. I look forward to having you. All right. All right. God bless. 413-736-2781. This whole theological perspective of white evangelicals that embraces white supremacy um, overpowers their family values platform. It overpowers their moral imperatives. Um, The same evangelicals that castigated Bill Clinton for having an extramarital affair, folks like Franklin Graham tell you that Trump sleeping with porn stars and having various affairs on his wives is nobody's business. All of a sudden, people's private lives are nobody's business, but this is the same guy who went out in the public talking about Clinton. Because I guess if he embraces white supremacy, Trump embraces white supremacy, that wipes away all of the things that he would criticize in any other president. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Bruce Warren. Yes. Harold Bennett from Atlanta. How are you? What's up, Dr. Bennett? (laughs) Man, you're doing doing well. You're doing well. I, I appreciate your... Your topic. Let me give you my my question. I just want to compliment you, and then I want to ask you uh, if you could. Would you would you talk again about something you started earlier? All right. In your in your conversation, and that is um, you were talking about the Bible, and I'd like to know your thoughts about how much does um, not having a critical theological education uh, play? What role does it play in accepting this kind of um, evangelical kind of agenda? Uh, political agenda, social agenda, when it comes to the use of of, of religion and and and, and it's, in particular the Bible, what do you see any correlation between that type of thing, the Trump the, agenda, and the agenda, the evangelicals who support it, and perhaps being unable to read and discuss the Bible and theology, theology critically? Ab- absolutely. Now, Doctor Bennett, you know, um, as a dean of a seminary. Um, and as 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 a theologian, that it is dangerous when folk divorce scripture um, from its historical uh, and cultural context. Um, when they take and try to transplant uh, what's in the Bible and use it for modern situations, divorced from that uh, particular context. Having a theological education is critical for being able to properly read Scripture, understand how you should interpret it. Should I interpret it literally? Should I interpret it spiritually? Should I interpret it dispensationally? Understanding the context in which it was written, to whom it was written, understanding the audience to whom it was written, understanding the culture and history of the time, and then understanding the language that it was written in to get a proper understanding uh, of the meaning. And so what happens is people literally interpret Scripture um, against the backdrop of a Western culture, um, and and, and ultimately um, they bastardize Scripture, 
and use it to justify things that it was never even meant for. So I, I think, you know, and, and while, you know, I believe that there are sincere people who preach the word who may not necessarily have a theological education, um, but a theological education to get a, a deeper understanding of these things when you are in pastoral ministry, when you are teaching and preaching to people, I think it's critical. And I'm forever grateful for my mentors, Bishop Talbert Swan the first and Bishop O.T. Jones Jr., who encouraged me um, to go to seminary, to get a theological edu- education, and to be able to better interpret that which I'm trying to preach and teach to other people. Oh, man, that's I, I appreciate that. Do you think, I just have one more, more hang up. Do you think then that if, if ministers, especially those who are pastoring, who are responsible for shepherding African Americans in particular, how, what do you think will be the fate of those churches and those communities if their preachers uh, distance themselves or fail to get good theological, what I would call critical theological education? How do you think that's going to affect their their, their local parishes and then the larger communities where, where they should be serving? Well, it's already affecting them. Um, the, the reality is uh, many of our churches are dying. Uh, the reality is many of our churches are becoming irrelevant in their particular communities, are are not making an impact in their communities. Many people who live around our churches, they see us as those dressed up black folk who come here on Sunday and Wednesday night or whatever your midweek night is, um, and that's it. And they have no connection to the people no impact on the community, and thus people continue to lose respect for the church, which used to be the beacon of hope, which used to be the first place that people who weren't even connected to the church would go when they needed assistance because they knew that the church was relevant and that the church was going to assist them. So it's not even, Dr. Bennett, about what's going to happen. It's about what's already happening. Oh, brother. Thank you, man. I'm going to hang up, and I'm going to keep on listening. Great show, uh, great conversation, man. You're doing a great job. I'm going to keep on listening. Thanks for taking my call. All right. Thank you, sir. 413-736-2781. That's the great Dr. Harold Bennett, who is the dean of the C.H. Mason Theological Seminary at the International Theological Center in Atlanta. Um, That is the uh, uh, flagship seminary of the Church of God in Christ. who called in and loved the brother. The only thing I have against him is he's a member of Omega Sci-Fi. He pledged the wrong fraternity. Anyway, uh, 413-736-2781. I had a brother, um, a, a white bishop um, of uh, the uh, Bishop Jackson Vaughn Plant, founding pastor of Plant Ministries in Harlingen, Texas, who had the caucasity, who had the... Um, uh, uh, the nerve to indignantly repudiate me, a black man, as a bigot who is full of hate and venom for daring to challenge the rabid and repugnant bigotry of Donald Trump, who he acknowledges as his Messiah and Savior and defender of the evangelical Christian faith. And many people, just like Mr. Plant, are lost in this delusion that their white supremacist ideology is the same thing as Christian theology. Uh, it, it's a sad day. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. 
Yes, good morning. I uh, just want to weigh in on the topic uh, you're speaking of this morning. And, of course, you're always right on track. And the agreement on my part is I, I'm, I'm more of a listener than, a, you know, someone who's bringing up context. But right now, uh, these are things that I talk about, you know, throughout the community uh, every day. And right now, if there's anything that can help anybody right now, any of the people in our communities and neighborhoods, is watch that movie Django. And you always got those interjections right in there where uh, those evangelicals that own everything, the slave and all that other stuff like that, uh, it's all interjected right in there. So I just wanted to, you know, put an input on that. And um, I appreciate you all the time, and I appreciate your knowledge and your wisdom on um, you know, bringing stuff to people that really don't know. So keep up the good work, sir. All right. Thank you for your call. 413-736-2781. I'll take your calls until show close if you want to chime in on the discussion. Basically what's happening uh, in the public sphere now is that those who oppose white supremacy, anti-black bigotry, are being rebuked by white Christians who incredulously invoke evangelical theology and use the Bible to justify racism and the subjugation of black and brown people in the name of the same God who calls us to love one another, regardless of race, ethnicity, or socioeconomic status. And so, you know, I I believe within um, the Christian faith, we are at war for the soul of this nation and the world and the true meaning of Christian doctrine. Um, This hatred under the guise of religious teaching can't be met with patience and passivity or empty platitudes that are devoid of substantive action. So folk always ask me, well, why don't you just pray for them? Why don't you just, yeah, that's what you want us to do. We've been passive about this for 400 years. The time is out for passivity when it comes to dealing um, with white Christians who embrace um, uh, white supremacy. Time out for that. It's time to call them out, you know, and, and truth is not hate. That's my mantra. Now that's my hashtag. Now you go to my Twitter feed and you'll see it in my bio hashtag. Truth is not hate. Many people say, Oh, you're so hateful for a Bishop. No, speaking the truth is not hate. That's love. Love is sometimes harsh. All right. Um, Truth is not hate. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Hello, Bishop. I I had to call back again. Yes, sir. I love what you you say because you're telling the truth. And and if anybody attacks you, you got the attack back. And if anybody, if I was around you, you were, I would put, I, I put my fist up. And I'm knowing what you're standing up for. There's some people not liking you because you're standing up, up for the truth. You see what I'm saying? Because I come from the street. And I, I, you're a person that I would go down for. Because I see you fighting for the people. Well, we need some soldiers out we, there for sure. And sometimes it's a, it's a time and a place. The Bible says a time for war and it's a time for peace. For peace. And sometimes it's time for an eye for an eye and a two for a two, feet for a feet, and hand for a hand. Absolutely. Thank you, you so know, much. I don't understand, folks. I don't understand, folks, when, okay, now, they don't pray. They didn't pray for Iraq. They didn't They didn't pray for going over, over there in the Middle East and Vietnam. 
But when we get attacked, we supposed to go on our knees praying and never respond with any. Well, that's that, that's always that's always the narrative. The all the narrative is always when black and brown people are being subjugated and abused. That our job is to pray for our abuser, to forgive our abuser, um, to turn the other cheek to our abusers. Uh, that's always their narrative because then they all of a sudden try to throw the Bible on us and throw out scriptures that they've never abided by. You you weren't forgiving anybody. Uh, y'all say never forget. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, you go on the attack. You think it's justified by God to go to war and to kill people. But all of a sudden, when it comes to your bigotry and your evil, all of a sudden, black and brown people uh, that you attack are supposed to love you and forgive you and turn the other cheek to you. Nah, bro. Just, just, nah. Just, 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 just comply with it. But the last time I read the Bible, it said make peace with men if it be possible. Some people you can't make peace with. Absolutely. That's New Testament. I'm hanging up. All right. Thank you for your call. 413-736-2781. Evangelicals cannot credibly preach the gospel of Jesus's love while simultaneously embracing the KKK's ideals. And so I personally, I wear every rebuke, every lie, every pejorative name that they call me, every attempt to malign my character for daring to speak boldly and unequivocally against white supremacy as a badge of honor. I love it. It tells me that I'm doing my job because Jesus said, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. So I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. 413-736-2781. Now, let me, let me, let me transition over and talk about this, um, this orange apparition uh, who has been tweeting incessantly attacks at Congressman uh, Elijah Cummings and um, black folk in Baltimore. Um, and, and, and of course there are people who are justifying that who like Rick Scott, the governor of Florida, who hemmed and hawed and refused to say that it was racist, you know, what he what he said. But Trump basically had a grand wizard um, white supremacist meltdown um, um, going off on another racist rampage uh, on Twitter. And in a series of posts, he called Elijah Cummings a brutal bully, uh, said that. Baltimore, the city that he represents, is a disgusting and rodent-infested mess, a place that no human would want to live. Um, I mean, he threw a toddler-style temper tantrum um, on Saturday, Sunday, and this morning he's been tweeting all day for three straight days. Now, now, y'all Trump supporters, help me understand what president in our lifetime had a social media temper tantrum for three consecutive days for three straight days, Saturday, Sunday, and all morning today, he's been attacking Elijah Cummings and attacking Baltimore 
doing racist stuff and then claiming I'm not racist for doing it. And then gaslighting and calling Elijah Cummings the racist. And it was all done because of one, he watched a segment on his favorite propaganda network, Fox News, okay? Um, And everything that Fox News said about Elijah Cummings, Donald Trump has been tweeting incessantly for the last three days. I mean, it echoes the racist comments he directed at the four congresswomen. Um, um, at uh, Rashida Tlaib, um, Ilhan Omar, um, um, Alexandra uh, Cortez, and Ayanna Presley. Um, the same type of stuff. And he got amped up by Fox and Friends. He got triggered by their bigoted remarks and has been tweeting for three days. There is no question, no question that Donald Trump is a racist. And now he's reached a point where he believes he can flaunt his bigotry without any repercussions. And that's why he's doing it. And, and Fox News is the fuel that feeds his racist fire. And I'll say this as I've said already. Anyone who supports, defends, or makes excuses for Donald Trump is a racist or a racism apologist. Period. No exceptions. This ain't about economic stress. This ain't about policies. This ain't about none of that. This is about purely supporting his bigotry. That's exactly what it is. You know, period. Point blank. Let me play what Victor Blackwell had to say about Donald Trump's meltdown and attack on Baltimore. You need to listen. Turn your radio up. You need to listen to exactly what he said. I'm telling you that this is going to touch your heartstrings. Another member of Congress on Twitter. This time it's House Oversight Committee Chairman Elijah Cummings. He wrote this. Cummings District is a disgusting rat and rodent infested mess. If he spent more time in Baltimore, maybe he could help clean up this very dangerous and filthy place. No human being would want to live there. Infested. That's usually reserved for references to rodents and insects. But we've seen the president invoke infestation to criticize lawmakers before. You see a pattern here? Just two weeks ago. President Trump attacked four minority congresswomen. Why don't they go back to the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came? Reminder, three of them were born here. All of them are American. Infested, he says. A week before his inauguration, January 2017, Congressman John Lewis should spend more time on fixing and helping his district, which is in horrible shape and falling apart, not to mention crime-infested. Donald Trump has tweeted more than 43 thousand times. He's insulted thousands of people, many different types of people. But when he tweets about infestation, it's about black and brown people. September 2014, at the height of an urgent health emergency, why are we sending thousands of ill-trained soldiers into Ebola-infested areas of Africa? Bring the plague to the U.S.? Obama is so stupid. Infested, he says. 
There's a revolution going on in California. So many sanctuary areas want out of this ridiculous crime-infested and breeding concept. Infested, he says. The president says about Congressman Cummings' district, that no human would want to live there. You know who did, Mr. President? I did. From the day I was brought home from the hospital to the day I left for college. And a lot of people I care about still do. There are challenges, no doubt. But people are proud of their community. I don't want to sound self-righteous, but people get up and go to work there. They care for their families there. They love their children who pledge allegiance to the flag, just like people who live in districts of congressmen who support you, sir. They are Americans, too. We'll be right back. Now, if you were not touched by those words from Victor Blackwell, who grew up in West Baltimore, then you have a heart of stone. Words matter. Words have meaning. And words from supposedly the most powerful person on the planet and the person who is supposed to embody American ideals such as what Donald Trump um, said points to the severity of the racial polarization going on in America at this current moment. Infested. Infested. Whenever Trump talks about infestation, infestation infers vermin, insects, dirty, nasty conditions. When you talk about infestation, that's what you're talking about. And the only time Trump uses infested is when he's talking about black people. Don't tell me that's not racist. Don't tell me he's not a bigot. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Um, good morning. Um, I think we all hear you talk because I see Elizabeth Warren has a lot of racist supporters who are attacking black people who support Carmilla Harris, who is the only black candidate you Democrats have for president. Who's who's so who's now, you I, Democrats? I wait, wait. Who's you? Well, de- a, who's you Democrats? Well, I. Well, I apologize, Bishop. I assume the way I hear you talk, it sounds like you're a referee for Democrats. I could no. It sounds like I'm a. It sounds like it sounds like I'm a referee for truth, and for justice. Okay. Well, I I can respect truth. 
So now I'm trying to understand, has the Democrats rallied around the only black candidate? Because I'm watching how white Democrats, and I am of no color and I am not prejudiced, but I'm watching how white Democrat women are disrespecting the only black woman. And I don't. Well, what do you what do you call disrespect? Do you call do you call challenging Kamala Harris on her record as a prosecutor? You call that disrespect because that's not disrespect. She needs to be accountable for her record. Well, disrespect, no, disrespect would be everybody, every one of them have an awful record. We all know that. That's how most of those candidates get elected on their awful record. What candidate are you supporting? What can what can what candidate? Hey, hold hold up. We can't both talk at the same time. Okay. What candidate are you supporting? You already know that I I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know you. What candidate are are are, 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 wait 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 slow down slow down slow down slow down slow down that 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 that. It's a simple answer. What candidate are you supporting? I I am going to support the black lady. I feel like she she needs a little help right now. And I'm watching how the country is not really happy with the president that I did vote for. You voted for Trump? Why? I I did, Bishop. Well, we don't got to talk about why. It's been three years, but now I'm... Well, why aren't you you going... Are you going to vote for him this time? I am going to support Kabila Harris. What if she's not the nominee? What if Kamala is not the the nominee? This is what I'm dealing with. I'm watching America be so disturbed with 40 ideas and 20 candidates that I have to support her because Democrats are going to support all kinds of people. Okay, I got you. I got you. I got you. You're going to support. Okay, wait. You're going to support Kamala Harris. Hold up. Hold up. You're going to support Kamala Harris. I got you. Now. If Kamala Harris doesn't come out of the Democratic primary as the nominee, if it winds up being Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or some other person against Trump, are you going to vote for them or are you going to vote for the guy you voted for in 2016? Which one are you going to vote for? never lie to you or mislead you. I will vote for Trump again if Kamala Harris is not nominee so that's why you so that's why you call here with with the stuff that you say to me because you a trump supporter you a black trump supporter you know what i say about black you you know what i say about black you hold it you know what i say about black trump supporters you know what i say about you know what i say about black because she don't know how to stop talking when when i'm trying to talk so we can't talk at the same time you know what i say about black trump supporters blacks for trump are like roaches for raid 413-736-2680. 413-736-2781. Ah, boy. Trump just compared black folk to vermin, to rats. Trump called black athletes sons of bees. He called a black woman a dog. Calls black elected people in Congress low IQ. He says that black folks should go back to their 
crime-infested countries, that we should go back to Africa. This is the dude that you voted for. This is the dude that you will vote for again if Kamala is not the nominee. I got news for you. Trump don't like your black behind. So I don't know what delusion you are under. Um, um, but if you want to be a, an apologist for white supremacy, if you want to be an apologist for a rabid, venomous, vitriolic, racist, that's on you. That's on you. Um, under no circumstance would I ever vote for white supremacists like Donald Trump. And I don't care if he was Republican or Democrat, just like I won't vote for a Joe Biden. Um, um, you know, uh, uh, party loyalty does not trump a moral or should not trump integrity, character, and a moral compass. That's what I was talking about all program long about the evangelicals. Um, they compromise their so-called moral standing and family values platform to vote for a guy that embodied everything that was antithetical to what they say they believed in. So, you know, uh, forgive me if I'm confused at how any black person could vote for Trump. And if you were fooled back in 2016, um, and after he has thoroughly demonstrated his white supremacist leanings over the two years that he's been in office, you should no longer be foolish enough to vote for him in 2020. If, if you voted for him in 2016 and you've watched what he's done thus far and you still want to vote for him as a black person in 2020, something wrong with you. Okay? Something is wrong with you. You you are Stephen in Django. You know, you remember Django when Massa Candy got shot? Stephen ran over to him. The character played by <clears throat> Samuel L. Jackson. That's that's that that's how I see black folk who vote for Trump. Y'all's a boss. It's kind of like um, uh, what Malcolm talked about. When Malcolm talked about two kinds of slaves. <laughs> Y'all remember that? He said there were two kinds of slaves. A house slave and a field slave. Mm-hmm. Um, and he broke that thing down. Um, and let us know exactly who was what. Um, 
I don't know what you consider yourself to be, um, but I'm um, I'm that field Negro. That that that's the one that I am. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't understand y'all. Now sit down. Back during slavery, when black people like me talked to the slaves, they didn't kill them. They sent some old house Negro along behind him to undo what he said. You have to read the history of slavery to understand this. There were two kinds of Negroes. There was that old house Negro and the field Negro. And the house Negro always looked out for his master. When the field Negroes got too much out of line, he held them back in check. He put them back on the plantation. The house Negro could afford to do that because he lived better than the field Negro. He ate better, he dressed better, and he lived in a better house. He lived right up next to his master in the attic or the basement. He ate the same food his master ate and wore his same clothes. And he could talk just like his master. Good diction. And he loved his master more than his master loved himself. That's why he didn't want his master hurt. If the master got sick, he'd say, what's the matter, boss? We sick? He was as sick as the master. When the master's house caught a fire, he'd try and put the fire out. He didn't want his master's house burned. He never wanted his master's property threatened. And he was more defensive of it than the master was. That was the house Negro. But then you had some field Negroes who lived in huts, had nothing to lose. They wore the worst kind of clothes. They ate the worst food. And they caught hell. They felt the sting of the lash. They hated their master. Oh, yes, they did. If the master got sick, they prayed that the master died. <laughs> if the master's house caught a fire, they prayed for a strong wind to come along. This was the difference between the two. And today, you still have house Negroes and field Negroes. Yeah, and today, that's exactly what you still do have. You got some house Negroes, and you got some field Negroes. The house Negroes make excuses for Donald Trump. Uh, The field Negroes are those like me who rebuke Trump and who fight against white supremacy. I got to move out your way, but a couple things before I leave. First of all, um, I want you to check out those of y'all can't see me, those who are listening, but those who are on social media, y'all see this T-shirt? It says on the front, I'm the Frederick Douglass type of Christian. I'm the Frederick Douglass type of Christian. And on the back is a quote by Frederick Douglass. It says, I love the pure peaceable and impartial Christianity of Christ. I therefore hate the corrupt slaveholding women, whipping cradle plundering partial and hypocritical Christianity of this land. Yeah. Check it out. Now you can get this t-shirt and so many more. All right. From authorities. I need you to check them out. They 
have the words of the movement. They got the apparel uh, of the movement. Um, check them out. Go to Twitter or Instagram at authorities, A-U-T-H-O-R-I-T-E-E-S, T-shirts, authorities. Please check them out. I promise you, you're going to find something that you're going to love um, and and you can wear the message of the movement um, around um, for sure. 413-736-2781. I got to move out your way. The other thing I need to tell you is this coming uh, Friday and Saturday, we are in our jurisdictional leadership conference uh, on Friday evening at uh, 7 p.m. We'll be in a worship celebration um, with Pastor Mark Bayman uh, from the Deliverance Center Ministries Church of God in Christ. He is the preacher on that evening. Um, and so you definitely want to come. You want to you want to check it out. Uh, and then on Saturday, uh, we have our workshops from 9 a.m. to 1 a.m. There will be a breakout session at 9 o'clock, breakout sessions at 10, where you will choose the workshop you'll go to. We'll be talking about men's ministry, uh, altar ministry, um, starting a nonprofit organization, um, a number of other workshops that will take place between 9 and 10. But then we have two special plenary sessions that you want to check out. One will take place at 11 o'clock. Uh, and the gentleman teaching this is a 33-year veteran of, of being a special agent for the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Fire 